What's going on, my friends? Today we're live with Clint from Liberty Lockdown to talk about the war in Iran that Lindsey Graham and his friends desperately want to start and also why ballot harvesting works. I think it's extremely important and people aren't thinking or talking about it, so that's what it is. Thanks for being here, Clint. Dream Rare Podcast starts now. It's the Dream Rare Podcast. Welcome to the show. The way to get the news at the desk or on the road. Let's go. God is great and success in our control. The world is crazy, but we get better from obstacles. Yeah. What's going on, everybody? How you been, Clint? I'm good, Anomaly. Thank you for having me back, man. It's uh, It's been a couple months. There's always tons to cover, and unfortunately, it feels like it's picking up in pace, so... <laughs> I'm not into tyrants, but I just like when my song was playing, I thought about how cool it would be to be Kim Jong Un, where like sometimes people would be like, I don't like your intro song, but like if you made everyone like your intro song, you know, and they're like, this is the best song I've ever heard, you know? <laughs> There's something about that that's appealing. I'm not into tyranny and like dictatorships, but I get it. You know, that's all yeah, I'm going to say. For it's sure. not for me, but I understand. If like imagine I'd if have... he dropped a rap song and all of North Korea had to pretend like it was the best song. I'd be like, you're better than Jay-Z. You're better than Jay-Z. And you're like, am I? And they're like, yeah, yeah. You're like, that's what I thought. Nah. I feel like that's what happened with Tom McDonald and Ben Shapiro this week. <laughs> all the conservatives. I've always said, said Ben Shapiro is, is very similar to Kim Jong-un. No, I'm just kidding. That's my <laughs> next video. Um, yeah, so uh, give a thumbs up in the chat if you could hear us. I think it's all good. Um, I brought Clint on because I wanted to hear his... Uh, opinion about the foreign policy but real quick i wanted to talk about ballot harvesting folks for a few minutes and just kind of plant this seed in the in the political conservative realm um ballot harvesting for those who don't know it's actually legal in a lot of states and ballot harvesting is um ballot collecting gathering and submitting of completed absentee or mail-in voter ballots by third-party individuals volunteers or workers rather than submission by voters themselves directly to the ballot collection sites. So in a lot of states, this is now legal and you're allowed to collect ballots, people collect them, and then they drop them off at legal sites. It's called legal ballot harvesting, right? A lot of people in the conservative and Republican realm, they just go defaulting to, you know, the election was stolen, we have no chance, but we're gonna run, but we have no chance, but they're gonna steal it. And they're not thinking about legal methods to actually counter some of the Democrats legal methods that they're doing while you're complaining and playing victim. So I want to use an analogy real quick, and then we're going to bring Clint back on the, and see what he thinks about this. Um, this is why ballot harvesting works. Imagine if I had a live show and I had 30 uh, beanies, God bless beanies to, to sell, right? If I sold them right there and I got the money, the sale's done. You pretty, I mean, I'm not, I don't really have a return policy, but uh, if let's just say, I guess I do if someone really complains, but like the money's in my hands, you have the beanie, the transaction is over. If I sell 30 beanies that way, it's done. I don't have to think about whether they're going to sell tomorrow or on election day, you know, given the analogy. And if I had 40 people come to my stand and say, hey, we're going to buy the beanies tomorrow. We're going to buy them when we go home. We promise we got our credit cards ready. They're not going to buy them, not all of them, at least. So it's the process of getting the vote right now. I think they'll possibly use Taylor Swift to do this at her concerts. I don't know for sure or if she's even going to tour then. But let's just say Taylor Swift was on a stage in front of a million people and 500,000 of them were over 18. And she, and she says, hey, I want you all to register right now to vote. And I want you to go vote on Election Day for Joe Biden. I'm not saying she's going to do that, but let's just say she did. The amount of people that would listen to her and vote on Joe Biden would not be as high as if they had ballot harvesting drop boxes there or a way to say, hey, 
sign up right here, do it right now, and then give me the ballot, and then we're going to drop it off at the box for you. That's ballot harvesting. This is why strategically it makes more sense. I know it's annoying. I know I like to vote on election day, but this is what the Democrats are doing. This is why they're going to win the swing states. It's not just cheating and illegal stuff. They're ballot harvesting in the states where it's legal. And most Republicans aren't even thinking about this. But I just wanted to use that analogy. I'm going to bring Clint back right in a second. That's really the analogy. You can make a sale right on the spot. You can get a vote right on the spot. It's guaranteed. It's in. It's banked. I used to watch the show. Uh, it was called Weakest Link. You're the weakest link. Goodbye. You'd count the money and then you'd bank it until the money was banked. It wasn't your money. You get one question wrong. The money goes away. It's banking votes. And Republicans don't like to do this. Understandably, they don't trust it and they want to cast their vote on election day. But you're never going to get the same amount. Even if you think all your people are going to show up on election day, it's not the same as banking the votes. That's what ballot harvesting is. That's what they're doing in the states. They could use celebrities to get more votes than they've ever gotten before. And before ballot harvesting was super legal in a lot of states, I don't believe it always was, you know, they couldn't wield their celebrities that effectively. It's like, yeah, Jay-Z and Beyonce said to go vote for whoever, ha, huh? you know, but if they can get you to register there, vote there, whenever that is, drop it off at the box or drop it off to someone who will then drop it off at the box for you. I mean, they're going to get 10, 20, 30 times more votes. And I'm just saying Republicans need to start thinking about it and stop just playing the victim and saying we can't do anything because that is what they're doing in the legal states. And that's what Republicans should be doing. What do you think about that, Clint? Well, I uh, I went to before I started my mortgage company, I was in a few sales jobs and I also went to business school. And there's something in sales techniques where it's like once you get a yes from your customer, you pounce you like and also once you get them on a yes chain like like are do you intend to vote if they say yes you don't you don't say okay well great we'll see you on november 5th or whatever the date is right you say you say let's let's get that done for you now you know why why go to the ballots let's let's knock it out right now uh i i work for verizon wireless i sold cell phones people come in and they're like i'm interested in you know this phone or this phone and uh but i you know i'm gonna i'm gonna wait until payday and it's like oh well you know, I know that you want it. Let me let me close this right now. We can we can mm -hmm. uh, you know put the the payment on your bill. You can pay it at the end of the month. Don't even worry about it. Uh, like that's that's what the Democrats are doing. The the GOP, which is the party of business and the party of uh, you know work ethic and all these things, or at least that's the values that they pretend to espouse. They don't seem to be willing to to work really hard at this. So I think that your assessment is dead on. Yeah, thank you for that extra just like proof in the business world. Ex exactly right. Thank you for saying that. That couldn't have been a better you know, add on to that. It's like, if they say yes, you get the yes now. You don't wait for them to do it in two weeks. That's what ballot harvesting is to elections. And Democrats are all over that. Actually, not to blame him because he's come around on it, but Donald Trump said for a while, don't ballot harvest. And then everyone's like, are you crazy? And then he, he switched it and was like, oh, I guess we probably should. And it's like, yes. And that, that analogy that I just did and that Clint told you, that's exactly why Republicans have to start thinking about it. Part of me thinks, and before we move on to the next topic, I'm not saying Republicans are purposely losing. I think some of them are. But when I watch the right wing economy, right, I think that it's similar to 
like Stacey Abrams, where it's like, if she wins, she's the governor. If she loses, she still has a job just like saying she won or running around being like a talk show host. Or, you know, a lot of times people get out of office and they go on to MSNBC or Donna Brazil got kicked out of the DNC. She was too corrupt for the DMC and she got a job at Fox News, even though she's a liberal. It's like a revolving door policy. So part of me thinks that a lot of people in the Republican world they're not actually that interested in strategically winning because they know if they lose, they could take no accountability, say it was just stolen, and then kind of grift off that narrative for the next four years. And I'm like, ballot harvesting is legal. Democrats are doing it by the millions and Republicans aren't. And, and it's that exact strategy of you would think all your voters are going to go there on election day. It makes sense. Like I'm going to go there on election day, but just mathematically, the people who say it and do it, that it's never equivalent. It's it, it's not done till it's done. And when they ballot harvest, it's done. They got the vote in their hand. They're dropping it off. They don't have to wait till election day. And I guarantee that's going to bring at least 5 million more votes from kids 21 to 26 or 18 to 26 that probably never would have voted or figured out how to do it. Uh, absolutely, man. And I mean, this is, this is the sad reality of it, though, is that the, the Democrat Party, because at this point, they're much more in alignment with big business, uh, from my estimation. Uh, they they aren't in, they have a much more corporate financial backing to go out and do this ballot harvesting. Like even though the GOP also is in the the pocket of many corporations, they aren't incentivized because they know their voters are going to try and put in candidates that are ultimately going to be deleterious to their cause, to their purpose, which is to basically uh, inculcate and, and protect the corporate interests. So I, I think that there's I think that the duopoly is working against the American people to try and, and keep uh, Democrats in power. And I, that includes the GOP side of the aisle. Yeah, no, I definitely think they want Democrats to win more. And I just hope, you know, I won't harp on this too much more. I hope Republicans are strategizing and figuring out how to get more votes of independents, moderates. You know, before we move on real quick, I just want to get your thoughts on RFK. We probably talked about it months ago, but my thought is this, and and, and I'm not, this is not me telling people to vote for Joe Biden or RFK because I'm going to do neither. I'm not voting for either one of those, but I'm just saying, I feel like Joe Biden is so old uh, liberals are so annoying at this point. Like even Joe Rogan's like, I used to be liberal. And, um, what's the Bobby Lee was like, I'm middle. Like if Bobby Lee doesn't even want to be liberal anymore, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like not cool. It's, it's not, like liberals aren't cool. People are looking for an off ramp. I personally believe most Republicans would have been that off ramp. Donald Trump, off ramp to some, not off ramp to some, because he's still like that scary figure that, you know, is a little more like aggressive. And I think that RFK is going to be that off ramp. Like, I think I know a lot of people that they don't like Joe Biden. They don't like Republicans. I already see them like campaigning for RFK saying, I'm going, I feel good about this vote. So it feels like RFK stealing that off ramp vote from, from the, you know, and I'm not saying he can't run or anything, but I do think this election is going to be a lot harder than Republicans think, not just with the ballot harvesting, but oh, yeah. you have a you have a RFK Jr. guy running that's going to take tens of millions of votes away from someone. Well, I have some interesting information for you. Uh, it doesn't sound as if you've heard, but a few days ago, uh, RFK Jr. was on the news and he was asked about potentially running under the LP banner, the Libertarian I did Party. That. I did see okay. that. Okay. So what, what do you uh, guys think? Because he's not really Libertarian, right? No. He's not. Um, he's he's very good on like he's pretty good on the FDA. He's very good on the COVID era. He's pretty pretty darn good on Ukraine. He's absolutely horrible on Israel Palestine. 
Uh, and he's also horrible when it comes to economics. He's basically, basically a socialist. So like, no, he's not a libertarian, but he does have like two areas that we really care about. And also the FBI, you know, inquisition. Uh, but the fact that he's angling for that, the reason he's doing so, uh, at least this is my estimation, is that he can't get 50 uh, state access to the ballot as an independent. It, it, I think he's he's falling short on that. And if he if he can't do that, well, then his campaign is basically DOA. So he needs the Libertarian Party because we have 50 state ballot access. We're the only other party aside from the Democrats and the Republicans that have that. So I think he's trying to angle in there. Uh, I have it on good authority. He will be talking to some of us in in my world here soon on some of our bigger shows to try and and you know basically lobby and and soothe our concerns about his his policies. And I don't think it's going to work. I think that the libertarians are are not going to buy it. But uh, that's the angle that he's taking. I've always liked RFK because of his work with the pharmaceutical industry in Monsanto, and and he's inspired me and taught me a lot. And I'll never pretend like he hasn't. You know, I'm very grateful for the information that he shared when a lot of people weren't years ago. Um, with that being said, he's not a libertarian. You know, like you said, he's like a liberal socialist, cool guy on certain topics, but he's not yeah. in no way, shape, or form is he a libertarian? So it's just it begs the question because, for example, like Dr. Shiva. I know that he's not going to win because he's not running a campaign that could win. But I think that he has a lot of real things to say. So maybe he just wants to get his message out there. And I know he's not going to like drastically affect the vote or anything. So maybe it's a platform for him to get his ideals out there with RFK. It's like he's going to get more votes than Shiva just because he's running like a more maybe professional campaign. And that's no disrespect to Shiva. I like him. I'm just saying like RFK is not going to win the election. He knows that. I know that. You know that. Everyone knows that. So why is he running, right? Is it to get his ideals out there? Um, is it to affect the outcome of the election? If you're running as a libertarian and you're not a libertarian, I mean, that's kind of a desperate move. That's that's yeah. inauthentic. So I'm, I'm just curious as why he's running, because I personally think if Republicans would have picked somebody like DeSantis, and I'm not saying that he would have, but like, before the whole Trump DeSantis battle and all the Alvin Bragg stuff, you had people like Elon Musk starting to say that good things about him. Like he was more of like a he's different, although a lot of liberals hated him uh, with Trump. It's like a lot of people don't like him. A lot of people don't like Biden. Like people are looking for an off ramp. They want to get out of this world of like 2016 to 2024. I know people they don't like hate Trump. They just don't want to relive that. And I know they hate Biden or they just don't want to relive that. But the people are being forced to relive that. So it feels like RFK is like this artificial off ramp for people that don't want either candidate. And I feel like he's going to help Biden win it, like with with those those type of numbers. Personally, it's, it, it's certainly possible. What, what I find fascinating is that RFK Jr.'s campaign in the early months after he announced was phenomenal. Like he was saying he like if if that guy had tried to get the LP nomination, he might have had a shot at it because all he was focusing on was retribution for the covid era going after and investigating the FBI for what happened to his his father and his and his uncle um as well as all of their other indiscretions and and ending the war between Russia and Ukraine like that that's a pretty libertarian platform and that his first two months he was he was the you know the doll of, of our party like we we were all very very positive about him because he was the best democrat i had heard in my lifetime practically uh still not a libertarian but pretty good then he gets he gets labeled as an anti-Semite because he says that COVID might be you know uh, 
it, it might have a greater disposition towards certain ethnicities. And then uh, after that, he he starts to go on this apology tour where he's talking to all these rabbis and and trying to basically, you know, grovel and and get their approval. And then he goes so over the top and he says that the Palestinians are the most coddled people on the planet. And you're just like, dude. I, so this is my honest assessment, and I, I can't. I can't prove it and, you know, don't take it to the bank. And I rarely say this. I, I, I'm not the type that always says, oh, controlled up, controlled up, controlled up. I feel like he's controlled up. I really do. You know, the, like the way the way he was able to analyze the provocations that led to the war between Russia and Ukraine and then completely incapable of making that same analysis when it came to Israel-Palestine just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't math to me. I'm like that. This doesn't quantify. I, I don't I don't know how. How you could be so good on one conflict and then be totally partisan on the other if you're not being pressured to do so. Um, so that's my read of it. Right. I remember a story saying, because people were using it, when you run for president, right, everybody throws everything at you. And they were saying that he had like a vaccinated party or, or some sort of party where they they needed people to show either wear masks or show vaccine proof. And he had come out allegedly and said, like, well, my wife wanted that to happen. And, you know, it wasn't me. It was my wife. And it's like, well, if you're RFK Jr., you're literally like the leader of this movement and you can't even stand up to your own wife for a party like that. How are you going to stand up to the lobbies in the country? And I think really, you know, whether he's controlled op or just kind of like folded, I think it's clear that that either way. I haven't talked about RFK in months and people are probably wondering why, but I saw the same thing you saw. He flopped like a fish. You know, they called him anti-Semitic. And then once they called him anti-Semitic, he just changed into a totally different person, went on a now probably a year and a half apology tour. And like the sale has been taken out of those wins. But, you know, it's so hard to run for president and it's so hard to fend those accusations off without compromising stuff. And yeah, I, I, I just I. I'm very realistic. If I even voting, it's like my vote in California for Trump or Biden, it doesn't matter. Like Biden's going to win California, but I'm not voting for Biden. I'm just saying like, I know that. So he has to know that he's not going to win. Who's he really hurting? He said in his own words, he thinks he's hurting Trump. You know, as annoying as Trump is, as, as much as I've talked shit about Trump the last year, done reporting that people hated, why would you try to help Joe Biden win? I would never do that. You know, I would never run for office saying, oh, I'm helping, I'm hurting Trump. Like, that's insane. That means you're going to help Biden win. So why yeah. would he do that? He knows he's doing it. You know, it's it's very odd. It's very yeah, odd. I, I, I really can't figure it out. I mean, if if he's just trying to get there to be more political pressure to get hearings about Fauci or something like that, like I could get on board with that. Like, that's what I want to see done. I, I want to see... Like I, the, the only reason I would like to see RFK in the campaign is because I feel as if he may hold Trump's feet to the fire when it came to the COVID era, because the MAGA movement has given him a total clean bill of health that he is totally undeserving of because he has not looked in the mirror, reflected on what what transpired during that period. So like I would like him to be up there because, you know, Biden's not going to do it. You know, Newsom or Kamala Harris or whoever ends up being the Democratic candidate is not going to hold Trump's feet to the fire on this on, of you know, the greatest indiscretion on human liberty in my lifetime. So I want that to happen. But at the same time, I do not want the Democrats to win again, you know? So (laughs) I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess he has the freedom and the right to do so. And and everybody just has to pay attention and and be aware. Yeah. On on one hand, I would like him to be in the debate because that, that debate between Biden and Trump, that's that's going to suck. Like they're yeah. like, w- w- that's going to be such a boomery. And and listen, we love the boomers here, but like 81 years old, 77, they're going to be yelling about like 
God knows what, you know, he's like, you fell off a bike, you fell down your airplane. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> On a more, you don't, you don't have the energy to be the president anymore. And he's like, no, you don't. And then they both take a nap. Yeah, <laughs> unreal. I uh, can't believe we're reliving it. And you know, to, for the conspiracy theorists out there, the uh, 2020 was Biden versus Trump, and 2020 was Kansas City Chiefs versus uh, the 49ers. So all we could ask for is no lockdown in March. We definitely don't oh, need man. that again. No don't, lockdown. Don't even float that, dude. Disease X. I can't. I can't do it. Dude, another thing too is uh, I remember because I went on a cruise in January 2020 before the lockdown and there was a war breaking out with Iran then. I remember being scared of my cruise. I was trying to like look at, I was like, am I near yeah. Iran? Like I'm not trying to get bombed right now because well, do you remember? That was, there was when, some... that was when Trump took out Soleimani. Yeah. And, the, and then there was like stuff going on like with the naval bases or like or, or in that sea. So why, like, why are things so cyclical like that? That's wild. I did. I totally had forgotten that it was that you know, chronology for Dude, when it was had, January, it was January, yeah. 2020. And that's, now it's January, 2024. And it's the same thing. That's unbelievable. That's, that's uncanny, dude. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, we have noticed that they seem to be just rolling out the same script over and over again. And it's like, they, they slightly reformulate it this time. It's just like <laughs> identical. It's like same presidential guys, same Super Bowl, same Iranian, uh, you know, war drums beating. That's crazy. Wow. It, it is really weird. Um, with that being said, you know, what do you think about our, I saw the soldiers that p passed or got killed in Jordan. That's super sad. I saw their pictures and it's just a shame. Like it, I, I hate seeing American soldiers die. One thing that really grinds my gears is I also saw a boat. It looked like a banana boat that you pay for like 20 bucks in the Bahamas, like a cheap boat, just washed up on the shore of La Jolla, one of the nicest parts near San Diego. Um, and it's right near a naval base or it's right near a military base rather. I think people said it was Camp Pendleton or something's down there. And uh, just washes up on shore. So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not as libertarian as I am in foreign policy. I do understand that America does need a presence in the world, but you can't convince me. Like they always tried to gaslight Ron Paul and be like, you don't understand how foreign policy works. But now it's like everybody kind of has that Ron Paul vibe because if we can have 50,000 bases all over the world, but we can't even stop a slow boat into La Jolla. Like they're clearly not trying. It's almost as if there's a stand down order in this country while we're while we're over in other countries. What do you think? Well, yeah, not just not just over in other countries, but also even if we're not there, we're also funding their defense. I mean, we spent 180 billion last last I checked on the Ukrainian defense against Russia. Um, we have you said you know tens of thousands or millions or whatever. It's 750. Uh, or so military bases all over the world, but that's that's more than there are nations on the planet. So we have a huge, huge amount of bases all over the world. The the Chinese have one. <laughs> the Chinese have one foreign base. We have 750. Uh, we spend 10 times on national defense, or, or we spend as much as the 10 closest, uh, you know, largest militaries on Earth combined. Like the American military empire is extraordinarily expansive. And, and it's not at all a surprise that if you're going to have all of these bases, including in some nations that are sovereign nations that have not welcomed us there, we have military bases in Syria. We have never been at war with Syria even, you know, but we just have bases in this foreign country that doesn't want us there. And then if they attack us, we go, hey, we got to go to war with these people. It's like, no, 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 you're in someone else's country against their will. They have every right every right to defend their nation like and what if what if china or russia was like we're gonna put a military base in ohio 
we'd be like, we're going to war then. Like that's not, that's absolutely impermissible, but that's just not how we treat the rest of the world. And I think that, that as long as we continue on this path, particularly given the economic decline that we're dealing with, including the national debt, including the cultural crisis and everything else that we're dealing with, we're going to have more and more of these attacks and more and more American soldiers are going to be targeted and unfortunately perish untimely. And it's always going to be viewed as a casus belli, which is a cause for war. That's what they're using these three soldiers for. I mean, they're in, I think they were in Jordan. There was a lot of dispute whether or not they were in Jordan or Syria or, or Iraq. Wherever they were, they were in a nation they shouldn't have been in. And and that's not to justify that that these people attacked them. I still think it's obviously tragic. But the answer is not to escalate. The answer is not to strike Iran, given that the American State Department has been incapable of even providing evidence. In fact, I think they pretty much acknowledged they cannot prove that Iran ordered this strike. All they can say is that these are proxies in that they fund and arm these guys. But they're not they're not necessarily directing their actions. Many of these of these, you know, kind of like militia organizations throughout the Middle East are legitimately furious at America for arming the Israelis and funding the Israelis in their bombardment campaign against Gaza. So that doesn't it doesn't even require Iran to instruct these these guys to do so. So how can you possibly then turn around and hold Iran directly accountable and then strike them on their soil or take out one of their ships and not expect this to be a hot war between America and Iran, which is not a joke. I mean, Iran has a serious arsenal. They, the uh, American government has wanted war with them for 20 plus years at minimum, probably much longer than that. Ever since the neoconservatives took over in the Project for New American Century in the late 1990s, they have been beating the drum against them. You've had uh, Israeli prime ministers that have come across into our congressional hearings ever since the 1980s saying that Iran is our greatest enemy and they're, they're months, no, they're weeks, no, they're days away from having nuclear weapons. It's been a lie the entire time. Iran went so far as to open up their nuclear facilities to UN inspectors to demonstrate we're not building nukes. This, this is a total canard, but the, the war drums continue to beat, the escalation continues to happen, and the Lindsey Grahams of the world continue to salivate. Well, it's the, it's the American, I hear what you're saying, thank you for that. Uh, it's the American double standards of if we give weapons to like 100 different groups in the world and they commit atrocities with our weapons, then it's no big deal. That's just a rebel group. But if another country funds another country and they commit an atrocity, we need to start a war with them. Thank God other countries don't have those same rules because they probably can't because America's too strong or else right. we'd be attacked by 50 countries on our homeland right now because exactly, we've funded man. so many people doing the same thing. For yeah. someone like Including yourself. ISIS. <laughs> yeah. And then so wasn't Soleimani fighting ISIS too? Like yes. Was, yeah. He was doing he was doing our dirty work trying to clean up the mess that our CIA and State Department actors had created. And then we assassinated the dude. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then Trump turns around and he takes he takes full uh, you know responsibility or credit for for toppling ISIS. It's like, dude, the Iranians were largely the ones that were responsible for toppling ISIS. Like, if you actually look at that, that's what happened. It's it's all just so much deception and lies, man. Well, I know in Syria when Trump got in, they definitely started dissolving. I think also too, Trump did cut a multi-billion-dollar like CIA program funding rebel groups. So yes, I think you know, like that, that was good. Cutting, cutting the cutting the supply of the quadruple proxy war that was going on in uh, you know Syria. All these like triangle groups were fighting them, but they're fighting them. I, I would say, have you seen this? Because growing up, 
I was never like a I was never like a Democrat and I, I definitely was not a Republican. I always saw through George Bush's lies. Like I never thought he was good. I never liked him. I never believed him. I was what they would have used used to call a conspiracy theorist. Thank you. Um Hype Beast with the $20 super chat said, said uh, people going in on Ilhan but ignoring the Israeli lobby. Oh, it's 20 SEC. What what are you giving me? Like five cents and some random like Swiss currency or something? Yo, get your money up. No, I'm just kidding. Thanks for the super chat. But anyway, uh, I, I saw it was SEK. Like, what is that? You're giving me I'll do the translation. It'll be like a dollar. No hey, trying to get me in trouble like that with with that, with those pennies, you gotta at least <laughs> give me 20 bucks for me to say that. You know, you already know that could lead to 15 smear articles. No, but uh jokes aside. You know, when I was young, nobody realized that we were being lied to because it was like, we're patriots. Like, how could you not be a patriot? Right. And now you see this merging. Everybody kind of gets it now. And it's because the veil has been lifted. When our borders secure, it's believable that, yeah, we're just tough guys and we might be doing a little much, but we're America. America, F yeah. But once a slow boat comes on the shore of La Jolla and millions of people are crossing into our border without even trying, you come to the conclusion, we got however many bases, Clint said, are all over the world, but we can't even defend our own base in San Diego. We can't even defend our own border. So now that illusion that America actually cares about America has dissolved and the libertarian Ron Paul foreign policy is making more and more sense. And I would say Maybe the party has not adapted it, but the base absolutely has. I think the yep. Trump base has a Ron Paul similar foreign policy. Um, it's just whether the Republican Party actually pulls it off or not. Um, so that's, that's the whole America first mantra. I mean, it really is. They're like, we have to focus on America first. I, I'm I'm an America only guy, but you know, I'll take it. That's a step in the right direction. If the MAGA movement is America first, great. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, as you said, the politicians don't reflect it. And just to go back to what you're talking about with that slow boat coming into La Jolla, I grew up 20 minutes away from there, man. That is one of the most expensive pieces of real estate in America. I mean, La Jolla right. is is basically priceless. It's so expensive. Um, and, and yes, it's about 20 miles away from Camp Pendleton. And Camp Pendleton is our Marine base. Our, and, you know, we also have a Navy base just south of there that's right uh, adjacent to the you know Tijuana the border there so they they went right past one of our naval bases and 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 docked in between our marine base you know like they they don't have any respect for us or any concern for us nor should they we've already demonstrated our only concern are the borders of foreign nations we could care less about our own i saw uh Kenneko the great tweeted out yesterday uh, saying if you look at the immigration influx the Ill illegal immigration influx from just a decade ago, it is up 10x, 10x. That is absolutely unbelievable. I had no idea it was that high. I knew it was massive, but I didn't realize how how minimal illegal immigration had been just a, a little while ago. I mean, in, in the 90s, it was like 100 or 200,000 annually. Now we're doing that like at least per month. It's usually 300,000 now. So this is totally unsustainable. I think they use and like I do obviously hope the Republican Party has a soul and like I do hope Trump wins and, and closes the border and does what he says he's going to do. I actually think of all the things that he says he's going to do, I think he probably would do that because it would just look crazy if he didn't do that. So, you know, I, I, I wish him the best. With that yeah. being said, I do think that both parties play good cop, bad cop, because before the Trump era, like Obama, like you, you see the numbers, like they were bad, but like they weren't that bad. 
they actually started spiking during the Trump era, not because of him, but they used him as like bad cop to be like, oh, look at the caravan. But it's like, who's funding the caravan? Like, do you remember like our border? Yes, it was more closed than like Biden. It, it's like a bell curve, but it, right. the border wasn't closed under Trump. Like there was probably more people coming. I think he deported less people than Obama, too. I'm not saying it's his fault, but they use Trump as the bad cop to like flood the border. More people get in during Trump than probably got in during Bush or Clinton because they're just flooding the border. He can't stop them all. And then Biden gets in. They open the border. It's I, I just feel like both parties kind of play this good cop, bad cop to shift the Overton window to what's acceptable. So people will be like, let's go back to that. But even that was too much. But now is like way too much. But that, and that's how they work, where it's like if they can make the two options too much and way too much, even if you win, you still get too much. Exactly, dude. That's a, a great way of viewing it. And I think you're exactly right. I mean, and and to give you know Trump a bit of an excuse here, it's it does require congressional authorization, and, and Congress wasn't willing to do so. But you know, Congress I, they had a majority. Republicans they could have done it, they didn't do it, and and I think that that shows that they don't want to do it for whatever reason, whether it's corporate interests that want to have cheap labor, or if they're also in alignment with the World Economic Forum Great Reset stuff, and like and the UN that is absolutely pushing this and funding it. Just to make this very clear, this is this is not organic. This is being funded by UN plans. I mean, it all it all goes in alignment with the whole Agenda 2030 stuff. So, um, but yeah, they, neither party is actually serious about that. There's a handful of politicians that seem to be serious about it, and I'm not I'm not even sure that Trump's one of them, to be honest. And I'm not even blaming Trump. I'm just saying they used his presence to flood the border. Like if it wasn't like Trump was like, I'm going to close the border. Right. And then they throw their hands in the air and go, oh, my gosh, that's so bad. And then they make the problem 50 times worse. Not saying he's in on that part of it, but they're almost just using his presence yeah. to justify making they want to make him look bad. Yeah. Where if he wasn't there, like, would people accept that? It's it's. You know, they, they're so good at creating stories that people will accept things that they normally won't accept because they think he's the villain or something or in some cases the hero. And with that question, with you saying the congressional, because I, I do know it's dicey and I have friends down at the border and they understand the law of it. It's, it, it is not as black and white as it maybe should be. But um, every war that America started recently, aren't they supposed to get congressional? approval and that's my question to you is i'm and once again for those i'm not saying like trump i'm just saying in general like why is it so easy to start a war without congressional approval but republicans can't do the border without congressional approval and then my second question to you is should republicans just go and do it the same way they start wars and be like deal with the consequences of the legality of it later yeah well i think they probably ought to at this point just because it's so it's so out of control um, like this is why I was, I was such a big advocate for Abbott taking a stand, no pun intended. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but it's like, it's like, yeah, I mean, this states, I, I, I'm a firm believer in states rights, or at least as a, a kind of a fail safe to a federal government that's run amok is like, you have to allow state governors to, to, if the, if the federal government fails in their duty to defend the homeland, well, then the states absolutely have a right to defend themselves. So I think that that is is a, an appropriate response. It obviously it creates kind of a constitutional crisis where you have the the feds that are saying one thing and the the states that are saying another. Um, but I still think that's how our federalist model is supposed to work, so that you know tyrants at the federal level don't get totally out of hand. So I, I support that fully. Uh, what was your first part of that question? Sorry. 
if you They've remember. started a lot of wars without congressional. Oh, yes. Do you think that just no one cares anymore and it's just kind of like status quo? You know, like there's no consequences for starting a war without congressional approval? Yeah. Unfortunately, there doesn't appear to be any consequences for violating the Constitution on any level ever at all. Uh, it's unbelievable to me. But the, the president of the United States is supposed to only have authorization without congressional approval for defense if we are attacked. That is the only thing that the president has the right to do because it's so imminent, obviously, or it's it's happening. You don't have an opportunity to go to Congress. And if you were to go to Congress, obviously, they would they would rubber stamp it because we're under attack. But that's not the case here. So they're just saying, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're trying to say that because these three U.S. service members were killed in Jordan, that that is an attack on America. You know, and it's like, well, we're in a nation that isn't our own. And, and we're being attacked by not even like state actors necessarily. We don't even necessarily know who it is. But now you're going to have unilateral decision making. You're not even going to go to the U.N. You're not going to go to the Congress. You're not going to get any sort of uh, you know legal authorization to take this action. And you're going to do what? You're going to sink one of uh, or, or uh, an Iranian naval ship or, or are you going to strike uh, the oil fields in Iran, as Lindsey Graham has been proclaiming for a year now? This is all totally unconstitutional. And what's amazing about it is that in 2007, uh, Thomas Massey just tweeted this out if you want to find the video. But in 2007, Joe Biden himself said that if George Bush were to strike Iran without congressional authorization, he would move to impeach him. Talking about the very same nation that he intends to strike any minute now. I mean, it's just amazing. They've totally done away with any any semblance of concern for constitutionality. Hype Beast with the Swedish super chat said, would Texas secede if, if this continues? Probably not, but I did the translation. So you're giving me 20 Swedish Krona, which translates to $1.92, man. <laughs> really? You throw, you throwing coins at me? It's like going to the strip club throwing, throwing nickels at them. <laughs> your bread up bro no i'm just kidding thank you uh i'll once youtube takes its part i'll i'll go uh yeah, i'll go sprinkle someone's tip jar with that with that trash you just gave me no i'm just kidding but, uh, every this is why i don't get that many super chats i just start yeah, talking no, you, to people you just, they don't you just bash everybody sending you anything i mean let's just be honest though you couldn't even get the cheapest item on a fast food menu with that that's it's brutal yeah it's brutal out here um anyway uh thank you i guess forced thank you that i'm i have to say to be like professional or whatever um i want to i want to get back to iran i'm not trying to like purposely move away but i just thought of this and i want your opinion while you're here um one thing i noticed because i'm all for like closing the border anytime like, cartels come across the border into our country i think the law enforcement can do what they want i don't think that anyone should be able to get over on a boat past our marines or anything but what I will say is I noticed something interesting, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen it too. Uh, DeSantis has said it. Vivek has said it. Marjorie Taylor Greene has said it. Dan Crenshaw has said it. Trump has said it. They've all said it. It's like the one thing that the neocons and the sneaky snakes and the, and, and the really cool patriots and the, and the new guy that's you know totally outside the system, they all are trying to push this policy to designate the Mexican cartel as a terrorist organization so then they could wage war on the cartel's in Mexico, when the cartels are the ones that are running the cities and keeping them afloat, 
which I personally believe this is going to be a loaded question because I'm just going to give my opinion. You know, it's like going to Syria and or, or Libya and being like, oh, we're going to get rid of all these groups. And then and then what? Then there's going to be slavery in a power vacuum because you don't know how it works. Like Mexico doesn't work like America. And I'm all for when they do anything in our country, hold them accountable. I'm totally fine with that. But to wage war in a foreign country, what do you think about that? I think it would create destabilization. I think there would be a worse immigration crisis than we've ever seen. This would look like nothing. It would be like the lockdown before the BLM riots started where you just wanted to go back to that because it was like, it's so bad, but it's not as bad as it was then. Like, why is the entire Republican Party trying to wage war with Mexico at a time when we're already in Ukraine and another country trying to start three wars at once? That's what we need to start a war with groups below us. Like, I mean, why are they doing that? And like, th this is the type of stuff I'm not saying I'm not going to vote because I think it matters. But like, I really don't care as much as other people care about Republicans because it's like, what am I voting for? I'm voting for them to start a war with our neighbors when we're already at war like this is not an inspiring message to me yeah well no kidding and it's it's totally self-defeating i mean your your description is is apt that it would be catastrophic domestically if if the mexican government falls because the mexican government is largely a narco government not anarcho a narco government I mean, <laughs> you wish like, it was an anarcho government. yeah I, that, then i'd move there but it it's uh you know it is really the cartels have a tremendous amount of power in mexico and and a lot of that stems from our CIA who has bolstered these guys for decades. Um, so yeah, it's a crisis created by our CIA largely, and then it'll be responded to with our CIA and our military toppling it. And then the cartels are not going to just go away quietly. They're going to absolutely create havoc domestically for us because they'll, they'll want to r distract the American empire from, you know, actually coming after them. So they're going to create havoc within the cities in America it would be catastrophic. I mean, you and I had had you know very sincere disagreements about to the the legitimacy of Vivek Ramaswamy, but you and I did not disagree at all when it came to how absolutely wrongheaded and insane his policy proposal was when it came to Mexico, and it concerns me a lot because, as you said, this is a a sentiment that's shared by most of the alleged America First. GOPers and what it tells me is one it's very popular amongst their base because their their base is very upset about fentanyl um which I think you know if they haven't learned the, their lesson from the war on drugs at this point I don't know what else to tell you but you have to legalize drugs you cannot continue to go down this path of of thinking that you're going to stop you know the human desire to get high like it's just not going to happen the reason so many people are overdosing on fentanyl is because they don't even know that they're ingesting it they 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 don't think that they are, and they end up taking a dose that ends up being lethal. So it's very tragic, but the answer is not to create a war with our neighbor. It, it's, I mean, there's many, many other layers to this that I, I could, I could take it, but um, yeah, it like, if, if there is a war with Mexico, it would be absolutely awful for America and it has to be avoided. Uh, but I think that the, the GOP is ultimately beholden to the military industrial complex, regardless of how much they advertise themselves to be America first or to be non-interventionists or to be carrying on the torch of Ron Paul and non-intervention. Like they're liars. They are still getting campaign contributions from the Boeing and the Lockheed Martins of the world. And they want to maintain a war somewhere. And for the, for the GOP base, that's Mexico. Um, I don't know if I agree with you on the legality of all drugs, but I don't, I don't want to get off topic. Uh, sweet, the sweetest guy. Uh, yeah. Agree to disagree. But I, you know, some of them, I think it is over policed and certain good ones are, you know, like I, I think the 
the legal drugs they're giving people are, are absolutely insane. Like the, the, some of the pharmaceuticals are worse than the drugs they're banning. But um, exactly. Hi Hyper Beast with his little chunk change, Swedish trash. No, I'm just kidding. He said, Sweden, Sweden KR owned you during COVID. We went outside. Touche. Sweden was awesome during sure. COVID. And, uh, but but yeah. if you didn't get locked down, then you ought to be able to send us more money. Can you even buy a beer with that? Can you buy a little Swedish like tinsel tinsel beer with that with that chump change? No, you got to get your bread up to even buy a beer during COVID lockdowns. It's probably like three Kronos or whatever. You, you name them after villains from like Marvel movies. Get over yourself. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, before I go back to Iran, like, and I'm not trying to dunk on him, but like, say like Vivek, right? He's like an outsider. He says he is like. How does he come to the same foreign policy of like Dan Crenshaw and, and and how does Marjorie Taylor Greene get there? Like they all kind of just said it out of nowhere where it was, it's not a common idea. It is common to be like, listen, and, and this is the misconstruct. Like people will say, well, Mexico is our enemy. They're at war with us. They're allowing the border to happen. And this is my same thing I have to say with Iran and, and, and all over the world is we're allowing our border to happen. If America didn't want Mexican cartels in Mexico or just random people from Haiti and random countries, Russia, China, to come across the border, they would do it. Our own quote unquote enemies are here because they're allowing all this stuff to happen. And when it comes to our yep. foreign policy, this idea of American exceptionalism and how great we are and how free we are, like that's an idea from the 70s and 80s that once was a thing, and it's not a thing anymore because we're a disgusting, degenerate country that most countries don't wanna be. What do you think we're gonna do? We're gonna go to Libya and build a school? What kind of school? You don't even wanna send your own kids to public school. What are we gonna give Iran drag queen story hour and let women do all this sort of stuff? You know, it's like, that's what you think they want. Nobody wants to be America right now. And I'm not saying like, if I know Iranians who've left Iran and came to America and they love it here. And that's awesome. I welcome them. Those are some of my favorite immigrants, but we need to fix ourselves. If we fixed ourselves, there is no border problem. If we fixed ourselves, the cartels would not be a threat in America. They would do what they're doing in their country, like every country in the world. And then America can point and be like, yeah, we're better than you. We held it down. Our problem is us. Nobody wants San Francisco. Nobody wants our drag queen story hour schools. You think Muslim countries want you to come like Rick Grinnell to fly over there and make all their kids gay, you know, with like gay schools and rainbow flags. Like that's what you think these countries want. Nobody wants that. Our foreign policy is making everyone hate us. We don't even like us. Democrats don't like our country. Republicans think it's too much. Why would Africa and the Middle East want to make their countries gayer? Like, I'm just saying, like, it's not like the liberal gay world order, as I call it, to be like funny, but also it's us going to countries that aren't super gay and trying to make their kids gay. It's like Russia. Do you want to be gayer? They're like, no. And they're like, OK, here comes the liberal gay world order. America and our allies, you know, Muslims, yeah. do you want this? And they're like, no, certainly not. Do you want feminism and LGBTQ schools? They're like, no. And they're like, here we come. And it's like, oh, geez. So, well, if that, we, that, yeah, that we. We need to fix ourselves in this country, gain our respect back and really be that shining beacon on the hill. And then also watch what we do foreign wise, because we're, we're bringing our problems elsewhere, acting like we have it figured out when our own cities, in some cases, are worse than cities in Afghanistan. Yeah. Well, I mean, think just since you brought up Afghanistan, I'll, I'll play right off of that. I mean, that was the the very late stage because we were in Afghanistan for 20 years, but about 17, 18 years into it, when we were really like, let's get out of here. What are we doing? The Democrats started to, to market it based off of, we need to protect women's rights in Afghanistan. Like that, that honestly became 
the argumentation to maintaining our military bases in Afghanistan. Now, <laughs> now add to that just to prove right. that this is not a one-off because this is the new psyop that that totally defanged the anti-war left. They they also have now justified the defense of Ukraine because the Ukrainian government treats gay people better than the Russians do. Mm. Now, just to prove it's not a two-off. <laughs> Same thing with the Israel-Palestine war. We have to stand with Israel because they treat gay and trans people way better than the Palestinians. <laughs> oh, oh, you have these these uh, you know these gay people in America are all standing with with the Gazans. Do you have any idea what would be done to these gay people if they were in Gaza? <laughs> Charlie Kirk, you know emoji. He's like, yes, do you know yes. what happened to you? No, okay. Yeah, it's like, but that's not the <laughs> point, Charlie. The point is, it's none of our effing business. Let's get the hell out of there. Don't don't buy into this narrative that that their cultural frame work dictates who is in the right no who is in the right is who aggressed and who didn't you know and in israel israel palestine obviously it's very complicated and also well and honestly in russia and ukraine it's also very complicated but the truth is it's not our nation so let's just get out of there if you're charlie kirk and you're pretending to be an america first guy well then the answer is who cares about gay rights in effing russia or palestine let's just not arm one side of this conflict sorry for the rant no, please. It's just so funny to me because like in America, they'll be like, our schools are too gay. And they'll be like, don't you agree? They're making your kid gay. And you're like, yeah, that's kind of crazy. They're teaching it to my five-year-old. And they're like, you don't like schools, right? And they're like, in Afghanistan, feminism doesn't exist. And they're not making the kids gay. And then Charlie <laughs> Kirk's like, let's go make them gayer. And then everyone's like, yeah, Palestine needs to be gayer. And then the left who supports LGBTQ, they have like face masks on and they're like blocking airports for Palestine and throwing like Campbell's soup on the Mona Lisa. And you're like, can I just not be a part of any of this right yeah. now? Because yeah. I like they're like, pick Let a side. I'm like, what do I want to be a for a force masky Palestinian activist blocking my my traffic while they're throwing candles soup cans at, at the Mona Lisa? Nope. Or do I want to be with Char Charlie Kirk, who's trying to export homosexuality to like Kabul? It's like, uh, I'll pass, you know, oh, pick a side anomaly. It's like, ew, no. <laughs> exactly, dude. I mean, this is this is ultimately why I'm a libertarian. Uh, and I, I don't know if I even if you've noticed or, or if I've told you, but I announced uh, I'm I'm actually running to be the VP candidate under the LP. And and the reason I'm doing so is because that's that's exactly right. Like I, I look at both sides of the aisle and I go, these people are reprehensible. You know, I, obviously, I'm not even going to be ridiculous or delusional and pretend that I have a chance of getting in there. But being in that role, it will give me an opportunity to go on larger and larger platforms and and basically light both sides of a flame and be like, these people are all scumbags and they're all lying to you. Like let's let's wake more people up to that process. But you're exactly right, man. Like these both sides of it are just reprehensible. They really good, are. Good luck. I remember when Ted Cruz tweeted it out too. He's like He's like, can you believe Uganda is, is criminalizing homosexuality? He's like, this is despicable. It's like, let's send a drag queen, you know, a San Francisco Democrat and Ted Cruz to Uganda. And then they'll be like, what are you doing here? And he's like, we're here to make you gayer. And he's like, well, we don't want it. And Ted Cruz is like, sorry, Charlie, that wasn't an option. He's like, my name is not Charlie. He's like, I was just being... You know, I was just making it's like, what, how can America focus on America with the Iran thing? I wanted to go back to that because I went on a, a huge tangent and I'm so glad I did. Um, they've wanted to start a war with Iran 
for so long, whether it's General Wesley Clark talking about the list of countries that he was given by, I think, Cheney or Wolfowitz or one of those people. Uh, if you go back to, as you said, I don't know if it was Netanyahu or, or other Israeli prime ministers, but there's been congressional hearings since at least the 2000s where they were talking about Iran being a huge threat. Lindsey Graham has probably been in his room with some like Jurgens oil, just, you know, pleasuring himself to the thought of going to more wars since he clearly can't find a, you know, opposite gendered spouse to do that for him. And, and, and so he has to satisfy his sexual needs with like, he's a war of sexual, you know, he's yes, sexually he really attracted is. to war. These people have wanted to do this for so long. And when you look at Ukraine, it's kind of creepy because Lindsey Graham was there in Ukraine in 2015 trying to wage war on Russia then. So, you know, with all that stuff, they've wanted it so many times. It's come close so many times and it's never happened. Do you think it's going to happen? I know Joe Biden recently, I'm throwing a lot of stuff at you, so have fun with it. Joe Biden recently said that he won't wage war on them, which is nice. Also, I, I'm hearing like rumors of them trying to make make a Palestinian state, uh, which is like really pissing off right-wing Zionists. They're freaking out, you know, the, at the thought of like Palestine being Palestine. Uh, like, what do you think about all this? Who, like, do you think Trump's a better guy? Do you think Biden's actually more non-intervention in, in these topics? Because I kind of float back and forth, and I'll, I'll tell you after. But I threw a lot at you. Yeah, it's very hard to say. I mean, it's it's quite evident that there are factions. I would I would classify it as the deep state. There are factions within our government and our political establishment that absolutely want desperately to go to war with Iran, and I think it is largely. That was a sound effect, a gasp sound effect. <laughs> and it is it is largely predicated off of their their relationship to the Israeli lobby. I mean, the, the Israelis perceive Iran as their arch nemesis, and they absolutely want to see the Iranian uh, government toppled. And they have wanted that for decades. So they have tried to use the American empire and their, their influence in the American government to, to do so. Um, so whether or not they get their wish, I'm not at all certain because... It is clear to me that Biden, despite the fact that he is barely sentient, uh, does not want to have a, a he don't, I don't think he wants to be responsible for starting World War III. And I think he realizes that he's very close to doing so. So what I what I read recently, and this is kind of unconfirmed stuff, but I, I think it's I think it's true that they had reached out to Iran after the three U.S. service members were killed. And they said, hey, we're going to attack you. Because we have to save face, but we're not going to strike, you know, your domestic homeland. Uh, we're just going to strike some of your military apparatus that's that's somewhere in the Middle East. But we have to do this, otherwise we look weak. And the Iranians told them to shove it. They said, if you, they said basically, we're not responsible for these these other militia groups that we've given armaments to for what they did. Go after them. Don't go after us. We didn't do it. And and. So now the Biden administration is stuck between a rock and a hard place. Are they going to strike Iran and have and Iran has already declared loudly that if you do, we're going to respond very, very significantly. And if they do, then obviously it's a tit for tat and it escalates out of control. But I think that the Biden administration and, and really just the American empire is still weak at this point because there are so many fronts for a, a global war that like we can't we can't respond to any one of them without potentially domino affecting all of them to popping off simultaneously. So right. it's the most precarious time ever in my lifetime when it comes to world war, nuclear war, all of it. 
Jack B said, $10 super chat for some duct tape for your mouth. Thank you for the $10 to shut my mouth in a show where I literally make a living not shutting my mouth. I appreciate your, you know, support. Um, At least it was 10 bucks. No, yeah, it's better than a, it's better than broke boy uh, in Sweden over there. No, I'm just kidding. You know what I'm saying? Throwing pennies at me. I'm just joking. That's so funny. Um, yeah, I mean, we have the Taiwan China situation, China, Russia. There's a lot of people kind of plotting against us. Like our uh, Arab allies half like us, but they also like Palestine more than they like us. There's a lot of, you know, I would say relationships building between Iran, Russia, etc. So it might not be as easy as it was because I. Th- think for the last 10, 15 years, people have not listened to us and kind of made their own friends and own alliances. With this being said, I do want to ask this question because honestly, like I have to be realistic. I don't like pretty much anything about Joe Biden, but the one thing that I've always thought, and I think that Trump did do a good job of maintaining peace for the most part overseas. I mean, the lockdown was unfortunate, but besides that, you know, he got along with people that they didn't want him to get along with. I personally think that Trump would probably start a war with Iran more than Biden. And I don't know if this is true, but it's like Trump is last time he didn't, you know, and I appreciate that. And maybe he would lead with strength and not do it like his strength would kind of back everybody off. But I see the rhetoric of the Republican Party when it comes to Israel and Palestine. And to be honest, I don't like it. I don't agree with it. It's not my thing. Um, I look at the rhetoric of the Democrats with uh, Russia, Ukraine, and I think they're wrong about that. So there's two different wars. I think that both parties are wrong about one of them. And I'm not sure. It's like Joe Biden is a weak, stupid president. So maybe being weak and stupid can get us into more conflicts like with Ukraine. You know, but on another hand, I do think that people like Nikki Haley, Trump, DeSantis, all these people. um, And I would say Trump's better than Nikki Haley. But in some ways, I'm not even sure. Like, do you think Trump will not start a war with Iran or do you think like I could see him just pushing a war harder with Iran and, you know, just because he's that type of guy, like he's super Zionist, like to the to the 20,000th degree, like he might talk like he's totally different. But the way he led last time, I, I, I could see I could see him almost escalating Israel, Palestine and, and Iran further than Biden. But also I could see it the other way. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously impossible to know with any certainty. Um, but I will say this. I, I saw a clip. I actually played it on Liberty Lockdown on my most recent episode. It was Trump in, I think it was 2007 or 8, which was, you know, eight almost eight years before he even ran for president. And he was talking about how he had these military veterans uh, that came over to Mar-a-Lago. And they were injured military veterans. They were people that were missing limbs and things like that. And he just, he was basically just, openly lamenting the the war on terror and the human cost and how it hasn't done anything for our country. I'm I'm of the opinion, I could be proven wrong, but I'm of the opinion that Trump is not a fan of war, that he does not he doesn't see the value in it. He thinks that he would much rather talk a big game and negotiate a deal just as he did when he entered the DMZ for the first president to do that in 50 years or whatever uh, to talk to Kim Jong Un. Like he he wants to make peace. I I genuinely believe he does. Will he be successful? Who knows? Uh, But I think that Biden is much more a a cog in the machine or the wheel of the machine. And, And I think that if if they if they dictate we're going to war with Iran, ultimately, Biden will not be able to stop them. I think that Trump also may not be able to stop them. But I think that his instinct would be to try harder than Biden would. So 
that's my assessment of it. You know, who knows? I hear you. Um, the people around Biden clearly, um, we'll, we'll just call them the people around Biden because it's clearly not Biden calling the shots. The people around Biden, they, they kind of escalated Russia and Ukraine. And I'm not sure that Trump would have escalated that. Maybe he would have gotten overruled, but that, you know, you, you also look at the last time Russia invaded um, Ukraine when, when they did that thing in the certain region, it was under Obama. So there is evidence there that, you know, they, they choose a Democrat president to make a move. Maybe they think it's easier. Um, when it comes to Israel and Palestine, that whole thing broke out after October 7th. And then Israel used it as justification to just bomb, I guess, like not children or children, or they say it's not children or they're all Hamas or you're not supposed to talk about it. Or you're anti-Semitic. Like God knows what they're doing, but I would say the whole, like most of the world is paying attention and they're not thrilled with the, how many civilians Israel's killing. No kidding. With that being said, um, you know, it seems like Biden, he, he says he's trying to like quash the situation and make two States or whatever, but He's he's clearly like not doing anything and Israel doesn't listen to him and they could care probably less what he says or, you know, so it's like, do you think the people around Biden want Israel and Palestine war more or the people around Trump? And and I guess the next question is like, who will be around Trump? Will it be John Bolton and Lindsey Graham or will it be Rand Paul and Thomas Massey? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and Vivek, like the, the, these are the variables that we can't possibly know. Uh, I will know within assuming Trump, you know, wins a second term and and he's actually allowed to win a second term and he actually enters the White House. Uh, we will know within weeks if this man is a fraud or if he's learned anything at all, because he will once again be filling his cabinet with either the true America first, the handful of decent human beings that exist in our political establishment, or he will be refilling the swamp with additional swamp monsters. Um, and that'll tell us everything as to whether or not we're going to war, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, if he yeah. puts in a bunch of lunatics, then we're going to war. Um, but I, I, am, I, I really do believe that there are people within the Biden administration that are actively working to create these conflicts. Uh, Anthony Blinken being at the highest level, uh, he's he's just absolutely reprehensible. And I think that he is he has actively fomented the war against Russia and Iran simultaneously. And I think he's totally, totally insane and dangerous, along with Victoria Nuland and a whole bunch of other, you know, swamp monsters that are, you know, Democrat holdovers and and kind of perennial beasts within the, the system. So uh, I I still I do prefer a Trump administration to a Biden administration for that reason alone. Uh, but it, it is not, it's not a, uh, you know, it's not a fail safe. Like, <laughs> like if, if Trump, if Trump is, is as, as bad as he appeared during the 2020 year, well then forget it. Like we're, it's over. Last question. Then I'll let you go. Cause I know you got to do some other stuff. Um, sure. when it comes to like, you know, last time he had Mike Pompeo, uh, and and people like Rick Grinnell, where MAGA loves Rick Grinnell because he's like a Trump guy, but I personally am not a fan. I think he's like a super war hockey, you know, like just I would even go as far as to say, quote unquote, deep state guy, you know, like they're all uh, I, I don't see him as like really that different. He just likes Trump where other people don't. But um, with that being said, it's just God bless the guy, though. With that being said, do you think because this is my big point of contention 
with DeSantis, who, you know, his days are done as far as presidential campaign. I liked that people didn't like him because when he does something crazy, everybody says it. But with Trump, they don't say it. Do you think like when Trump starts hiring his cabinet, if he starts hiring pharmaceutical lobbyists again and, you know, people that want to start war, do you think that MAGA and the conservative base this time will point it out and say, dude, this is not good and use their leverage that they have as a base to, to, to try to get Trump to hire better people? Or do you think they simply don't care and will just kind of like hallucinate theories about it? You, you you already know the answer to this. They're, they're going to absolutely explain away every terrible decision he makes. They're going to say that, <laughs> sure, he he's surrounding himself with a bunch of scumbags again, but it's just because it, he's going to negotiate the peace. He wants to have John Bolton in there to be the man carrying the big stick, and then he's going to go in there with the olive branch and negotiate peace. Like, okay, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're going to trust the plan. They're going to do all that stuff again. I'll, I'll tell you just a brief inside story before I get out of here is that I was in uh, Iowa cover. I did Timcast IRL, but I was also covering the the Vivek campaign. And before IRL started, Donald Trump Jr. walks in and he sits down with uh, me and Josie, the redhead libertarian, just the three of us. And we talk for a full hour off the record. I can't give details as to what we were talking about, but I'll just say this very uh, humble dude, like total guy's guy. Um, definitely seemed to be a thinking person, not, not an ideologue. And, and I think that it made it, it improved my opinion and my impression of Donald Trump, that his son would be such a a decent human being. Uh, and I, and I, I hope, you know, I'm certainly like, I'm, I'm grasping at straws here to, to then credit for hopefully being similar to his son, but it's, that's normally the case that uh, father and son are fairly similar that, that Trump has to some extent learned something from all of the mistakes he made, particularly in the in the last year of his presidency. Uh, time will tell if that's the case, but I, I think that given the persecution that they have received over the past three years, I mean, it's really, it's been seven years of persecution, if not eight at this point. Uh, if, they, if they haven't realized the game that they're in, if they haven't realized that they're going to have to bring in outsiders and, you know, real real America first type of people, then they're, then they've, I don't even think that it necessarily demonstrates that they're a part of the swamp as much as they've acquiesced to it, that they're scared and they're going to go along to get along just to stay alive. And I know that's a dark analysis, but that's my honest belief. If Donald Trump Jr. happens to watch this, uh, he still follows me on Twitter. So that there alone, that's pretty, which, that's pretty wild. Dude, I said some, I, you know, <laughs> let's just say the kid cooks out here in the kitchen. You know, I've, I've had my fair share of uh, Trump uh, disagreements, we'll say. The fact that he hasn't unfollowed me is shocking. I, I appreciate his willingness to listen. And, and you know, it, it's, it's definitely good to have someone around that hopefully can relay these messages because I don't know... Um, you know, if he wins, we'll see. But I did ask you that question about his base, not just as a like I know the answer. I maybe I'm naive. Oh yeah, you, know? you wanted to at least see if if other people feel similar. I think no, you're right. I, I mean, I, I just thought I, I hope that people will notice things, but I'm not sure. Like I, I, I wasn't asking it sarcastically or anything. I really was because 
I feel so far detached from what everyone else is doing, like Benny Johnson wearing chains and pretend like I, I'm like, I don't I can't stand all that stuff. No offense. Yeah. It's like that guy annoys the crap out of me. Um, if, I, if I had to choose between Benny Johnson and Taylor Swift, I'd choose Taylor Swift. And I don't even <laughs> like her. I just don't like I don't hate Benny Johnson. It's just like whatever Republicans and Trump people have been doing the past two years. I, I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah. With that being said, I hope that people that are following him use their leverage because I think Trump is a businessman and I do think that the base has leverage in numbers. But if you don't use your leverage, you don't get anything, you know, yep. and I, I, I'm hoping. But maybe I'm just stupid and naive and that, and well, that I, I, I thought like people would care more. But let's, <laughs> let's, let's be honest, though. You don't really have leverage once he's in the White House. I mean, he's not going to run for a third term. So like your leverage is now. The MAGA movement needs to be course correct. I and mean, this is why I've appreciated your your critical analysis of of Trump and his first term, because it's so important that he actually course corrects, that he actually analyzes all of his pitfalls and the mistakes that he that he's made. And he's he has not demonstrated largely because his base does not ever hold him to account for anything. He has not reflected on any of it. He has not made any amends. He has not made any apologies. He has not made any plans or or at least, a, a, you know, advertise those plans as to what he's going to do to make his second term successful where his first term was not. Instead, he just goes, my first term was the best. Joe Biden's a disaster. My second term is going to be the best. It's like, well, that's not what that's not reality. That's not what happened. Well, also, too, when with like the leverage, even when he gets in, Trump likes to be liked like he's True. been popular his whole life and he's like a cool guy. You know, he's always been a cool billionaire. I saw a video recently where he was uh, chilling with Tony Yayo. It was called like Drug Dealer Wednesdays. He was just at a radio station. He's like, yo, my boy Trump's here. He's like, what's up? I'm going to buy your album. Ivanka loves you. And I'm I like, yo, it. Trump's kind of gangster, bro. Like yeah. I, I wouldn't even go to Drug Dealer Wednesdays at this point. I, like, yo, you want to come to Drug Dealer Wednesdays? Hell no, bro. I'm trying to freaking go to a library. Like I'm, I'm trying to chill. I'm not trying to be on the streets anymore. But uh, you know, Trump was really there. So I think he likes to be liked, and that's with with like MAGA. That's true. He has been idolized as like a savior of humanity. So I, and and I think he likes that. I, who like who wouldn't like people that like him? Everywhere he goes, he's adored and loved. So I think people do have leverage, even if he gets in office just to kind of relay the message of like, and, and this is what I always tell people, I'm not asking you to like hate the guy. I'm just saying, use your leverage to be like, if he does, hey, you should probably hire people like Thomas Massey, not people like, uh, you know, whoever he hired last time. Yeah. Or put, but or I don't or, think people will Colonel do Douglas McGregor is his secretary of defense. Like if he's serious about preventing World War III, Douglas McGregor is the guy. Like, he has all the credentials. He's absolutely equipped to do the job. Um, so, yeah, like I said, we're gonna know a lot about him in the first month of of his presidency if he if he wins, and I just I just pray for the I mean not just for our sake but for the sake of the world. Like we're in a really perilous position right now, and I, I I'm not trying to fear monger or overstate it. Like it is obviously ter terribly perilous, and then you add into that the financial situation that we're in, and then the immigration crisis that we're in, and then I could keep going on for another minute, but you get the point. It's like we need a really, really great effort by this guy. And I think that the mega base is not going to get that out of him if they just rubber stamp and green light everything he does just like they did last time. So let's hope let's hope that not just Trump has learned something, but also his supporters have. Real quick, because it's a it's a real super chat, not that not that Swedish, uh, you know, change that that guy was throwing at me. Venice Beach Dub Club said, please discuss the merits of Tim Cast in real life and its effect on public discourse. I don't know if that's for me or for you. 
Uh, I mean, I don't really know how much of a reach it has. I've done the show, I think, seven times, eight times now. And, you know, I still rarely get recognized in public. So it's like it's not it's not like going on Rogan or anything like that. Um, it's not like going on Anomaly or anything. You know? It's not like going on, you know, Legendary <laughs> Energy. Come on. <laughs> and Dreamer podcast, baby. And, and, and listen, I'm not trying to get you in trouble because obviously, listen, we respect everybody. But does the beanie smell like doo-doo or does it smell freshly washed? You it's, know, the people it, have been asking. I think he does. I think he does. He probably owns like seven and he just washes them once a week. Um, but no, it doesn't smell bad. No, it doesn't. Uh, and uh, people said <laughs> uh, people said to get you a, a God bless beanie. You know, you, you want to uh, run. Down. All right. I'm going to get you a God bless one. Then I'm going to get you a my Lord and Savior is Jesus Christ one. You know? And then I'll just force is all my opinions on you. Is that sacrilegious as an agnostic to to rock that? I'll rock it anyways. I don't yeah, no, it's not. No, the Lord will accept you when you're when you're ready. When you I'm know? ready. All right, I appreciate once, that. Uh, once Anarcho Polco falls apart and and you need some <laughs> Christian leadership, you know that we'll be here for you. Well, hey, if World War Three pops off, I'm gonna find Jesus real quick. <laughs> God, Amen. God amen. bless you. God bless your family. God bless America. God bless the world. Thank you guys for watching. Where can people find you? And uh, share this if you like. It's always on Spotify, Apple, Dream Rare Podcast. You already know DreamRareLinks.com, all my stuff. Where can, where can they find you? Yeah, well, while they're going to subscribe on their RSS feed to Dream Rare, uh, just search Liberty Lockdown uh, and subscribe to that. It's on YouTube and Rumble. I also do the best political show. It's uh, all one word. We are change on Rumble. Uh, with Luke Radowski, and I also do Tower Gang, which you should not subscribe to because it's very uh, racist and ridiculous. So don't don't check that one out. Uh, and then if you want to follow me on X at Liberty Lockpod on X, thank you as always for having me, man. It was it was a great time. Yeah, Shifty, I said I got my God bless beanie, awesome. And Kathleen, we're gonna end on this note. She said, "Not funny." Well, if if everyone else thinks it's funny, laugh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. guys dreamer podcast we'll see you tomorrow hey what's going on my friends just a few ways to stay in touch and support if you'd like to the first way is dreamrare.com we have blue beanies black beanies pink hats other colored hats freedom versus tyranny shirts stay blessed long sleeve god is great long sleeve and lots of more cool items coming soon dreamrare.com check out the shop to support everything's made in the united states handpicked by me patreon.com slash rare talk for five dollars a month you can help support me support the show if you haven't noticed unlike other channels i don't work with very many sponsors sometimes none at all and part of the way i'm able to do that is with the dreamrare.com shop and patreon.com slash rare talk so thank you guys for keeping this show free unimpeded uninterrupted i'm forever grateful my free email list is stayintouchwithme.com. So check the links below in the description or just type in on any browser, stayintouchwithme.com, all one word. You'll find my email list, put it in there, and it's the least annoying email list you'll ever be on. I barely use it because I don't like getting emailed every day or every week. It's annoying. So I don't do it. Stayintouchwithme.com. It helps me take back some power away from big tech. Telegram t.me slash dreamrarechat or at dreamrarechat. Due to censorship, I post all my live stream and videos there. Sometimes I have some bonus content and I try to give people a heads up when Facebook or YouTube won't. Dreamrarechat at Telegram. My Instagram is at dreamrare. Thanks for everybody following there for shorter content. And dreamrarelinks.com. That's dreamrarelinks.com. Has all my stuff. My podcast on Spotify, Apple. 
Apple Podcasts, my music on Spotify and Apple, my Rumble page, my BitChute and Gab page. All my links are found at dreamrarelinks.com. Thanks for watching, folks. God bless you. You already know I'll be back with more content soon. Appreciate you.